0: everyone. We want to start the show today with a topic that is quite serious and quite political. Uh, Before we get into the She-Ra stuff, uh, we have a guest from DreamWorks today, and we like to kind of separate the politics from our interviews with them, but we can't ignore what's going on right now in some states of the union, and that is uh, legislation that is getting pushed through that has to do with abortion. Uh, I am firmly pro-choice. I have said on this show before that I am not a person of faith, and my personal belief is that any argument against abortion is grounded in spirituality and this is a nation that is not meant to be ruled by religion and instead is ruled by freedom and the freedom to do what you want with your body uh, especially as a woman is something that I think is vitally important to all of us. This is all over social media right now because of what's happening in Alabama and Georgia and we just wanted to give you all some resources uh, if you feel as strongly about this as we do to help the cause. So, Eric, what do you got?
1: Yeah, the big one that has been making the rounds lately that I'd really like to shout out is the Yellowhammer Fund. The Yellowhammer, I believe is the state bird of Alabama. Someone could perhaps correct me on that. But um the Yellowhammer Fund at yellowhammerfund.org provides funding for anyone seeking care at one of Alabama's three, which let that sink in three abortion clinics and will help with other barriers to access like travel, lodging, etc. as well as ABLE. So that I just read their copy except for the part about how there's only three abortion clinics in Alabama. I editorialized on that because that seems insane.
0: We understand that not everyone has necessarily the means or the ability to donate and we just want to remind you that at any point you can go on your local social media and keep the Rallies and the enthusiasm and the dialogue going. You know, some people think that sharing things on social media doesn't do anything. Uh, and granted, it's better to write your state government or show up at a protest. But even just boosting the signal and retweeting stuff can can mean a lot. You know, we all have those family members on our Facebooks who don't necessarily agree with us, and making your stance loud and clear, other people are going to listen. This week in Chicago, there was a rally on Monday. There was one on Thursday. Uh, don't let this stuff run out of steam. Keep making noise. Keep showing up. Uh, you can volunteer even at your local Planned Parenthood. I'm sure they need you more than ever. So please find a way to get involved and make sure that we keep moving forward as a country.
1: Something that will become very important in the you know, the meat of this episode is that uh Everyone needs to use their voice to tell their story, so use your voice. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to She-Ra, Progressive of Power. For another week again, I am Eric.
0: And I am Lauren.
1: And we're back. Thank you for sticking with us through two role-playing episodes that we hope you enjoyed. They sure were fun. Lauren's a real badass with that death raid. (laughs) Do you guys notice that?
0: I didn't even ask to be like a DPS character, and then I ended up as one. So thank you, Logan, that was a joyful time for me. I also put this on my own social media, but I wanted to point it out just in the audio. I didn't realize till we listened to it, the foreshadowing that was in episode two. So Rami is asking to use this gun, and Rami was definitely not equipped to handle firearms. And in trying to get the gun away from Rami, I say, you're going to blow your own hands off. We got the gun over to Wilhelm, who then proceeded to...
1: Blow his hands off.
0: Yeah. Wow. It, poetic. It was tasty. And violent. Um, but thank you for being on that journey with us. Um, we might have if we're lucky, one more gaming episode later in the season, but we will save that for the future.
1: Yeah, we're probably going to do a couple more like weird one-offs, although the big news in the She-Ra world is that season three is coming a little sooner than we expected, so we have less time for dilly-dallying with these bizarre episodes. Uh, Season three of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power is going to drop on Netflix on August 2nd, uh, which is tough for me because I'm at Gen Con. But, you know, I'm just going to have to multitask games and Shira. That's just the way it's got to be.
0: Yeah, you just get to do even more nerd stuff in, like, one huge weekend. You can fit it, and I'm sure it's fine.
1: I'm sure it's fine.
0: We also saw uh, this is not, like, a hot take or anything, but we're getting Huntara this season.
1: Yeah, um, which is interesting. Like, Huntara, a beloved character amongst fans of the original show, but not really Lauren and I. But I'm sure that the staff of the new show has something really great cooked up. And we know who's voicing her, Gina Davis, which is wild. Um, So we are today talking about the third episode of season two, Signals. We have our first guest from DreamWorks uh, in a little bit here because this is a very kind of plot heavy episode that really for the first time introduces what the bad guys are up to maybe, which is very tantalizing. And so we thought it would be very cool to have uh, some folks from DreamWorks on to tell us what they can about it. So just a quick recap before we get them on the line. Uh, In Signals, there's kind of three concurrent plots here. So uh, one of the big plots is Hordak is working on this machine that does something, question mark, with multidimensional gates. Um, He's having no luck. And Entrapta, who's on the hunt for a hex wrench, wanders into his laboratory despite being warned by Katra and Scorpia not to go anywhere near him. But she does what she wants, breaks into his lab, and behind his back kind of makes his experimenting better, like fixes his equipment so that it doesn't short out. And all of a sudden, Entrapta becomes Hordak's BFF and lab partner. Even though Hordak is still very insulting to her, uh, talking about how backwater her planet is and things like that. They start working together, kind of to the chagrin of Katra, who is feeling put out by Hordak, kind of like he's the bad boss, which we might talk about. Um, she feels like she can't get FaceTime with him, like she's floundering, like she doesn't have the right resources. And in fact, she has to turn to a locked up Shadow Weaver to get the... Um, kind of get help just running the logistics of the horde. Like, where does armor come from? I don't know. Katra doesn't know, but she's got to find out. Meanwhile, the rebels are exploring the village of Alwyn, which is a source of rebel supplies that has recently uh, emptied out for some reason. And it turns into kind of this ghost story where uh, we're seeing, like, spectral images in the wooded village of Alwyn, and uh, Adora, Bo, Glimmer, and Swiftwind try to get to the bottom of why these, like, spooky ghost-looking things are appearing in the woods. So, let, all right, let, let's get into it. We're, we're on the line with Catherine Nolfi, our first uh, DreamWorks guest since last season's finale of our podcast. Catherine is a staff writer on She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. And we haven't really talked about this on the show yet, but Catherine, you, you were one of the lovely folks who had lunch with Lauren and I a few weeks ago in Los Angeles.
2: It was such a pleasure to meet you in person.
1: Oh, my gosh. So my first question is going to be that you you don't find us repulsive yet.
2: <laughs> yet. <laughs> <laughs> What's going to happen that I will?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not planning anything, but, you know, time is, makes fools of us all.
2: Is this going to be a gotcha journalism <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's our whole thing. That's uh we like work to earn the trust of, of people who show we respect and then we just turn total like morning zoo crew.
0: The long arc of the four seasons of our podcast is just to dupe DreamWorks eventually. <laughs> eventually.
1: Well
2: <laughs> I respect your long con.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Anyway, let's really get into the dirt. Uh when did you first feel sadness? No. <laughs> <laughs> what? i don't know i'm trying to think of like when
2: does one gain consciousness
1: (laughs) that's a great answer oh man i'm just trying to channel like my marin now like i feel like it that would be like the gotcha interview is like we treat uh animation writers as though they're on marin and we're asking about pain but let's not do well, that. Well,
2: I will say I did earn the nickname Dark Queen Catherine in the She-Ra writer's room. Ooh, so tell us why, I'm, though. I'm game for this. <laughs> you know, I suspect some events in the episode Signals may have contributed to me earning that nickname.
1: Well, so that, that's something I wanted to ask you about. And maybe I can cleverly segue that into my my first general question. So you are a staff writer on She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. And I noticed there's, there's a little bit of a thematic through line in a couple of your episodes. You seem to like like the horror and the macabre stuff, the the darker genre stuff. Uh, how has that been a, a large factor in your career, or is Shira kind of the show that lets you bring that out in surprising ways?
2: Yeah, I think Shira has been such a a fun opportunity to get to play with those elements while still having the humor and the great lightness of the show. Getting to play around a bit with with genre, which has been fun to do and in the Entrapped episode and now with Signals. But I will also say that like, these are the episodes that came up in my rotation and so much of what we do is collaborative. And and so I don't necessarily choose these episodes, but I thoroughly enjoy writing them.
1: But maybe they choose you. (gasps)
2: Yes. (laughs) I, you could almost say I summon them (laughs) with the the dark powers. It's true. (laughs) Yes.
1: I would love to talk about the uh, other character who gets finally the spotlight in this episode. I almost feel like he gets the A story, and that is Hordak. Hordak has been so in the shadows actually even uh one of my friends sent me like a i think it was movie Bob or something one of those like youtubers who talked about how the great innovation of this show over the filmation show was that it has competent villains uh and it's very cool that we never really get any sense of Hordak kind of until this episode. Was it like how cool was it to get to be the first person to kind of craft what he's up to?
2: Such a blast to be able to literally bring Hordak out of the shadows. And of course, again, it's all such a part of Noel's vision and, and the collaboration of the writer's room. I think one thing we were really thinking about was how do we give Hordak that great almost Darth Vader moment in in his scene with Catra? Like, how do we establish just how terrifying he is as a villain. And that was something that was really fun for me to get to explore and to play with and to try to find that moment in that action.
1: And it works super well. Like I think this is the first time we even or at, the, at least that I noticed his vampire teeth is when he's snarling at Katra. And it's like, oh, this is this is mad creepy.
2: Yes, yes. His design and, and all of the art around him, I'm always blown away by.
0: This episode is one of the ones that I know if I were, you know, an eight-year-old watching the show, I'd actually be pretty scared. Uh, the sort of suffocation, the atmosphere removal around Katra is, it's violent. And I was wondering, uh, were there any limits put around you know what you could do in terms of scary in terms of dark did you ever have to pull back or did you get to do what you wanted to do
2: i think i may have had catra clawing at the door and and noelle reeled that back in
1: oh my gosh
2: (laughs) yes i i may have taken it a step too far (laughs) and was reeled back in but i think that we were given a lot of leeway to create a truly scary villain. And we weren't limited um, within reason in that.
0: Uh, What is your favorite relationship in this episode? Because we get to see a new relationship form between Hordak and Entrapta, but we also get to see some of the first Scorpia Catra stuff. What sort of uh, camaraderies are you a fan of?
2: Oh, this is a real Sophie's choice. I mean, to pick my favorite <laughs> would be very hard. I think in this episode, since it's the first time we're seeing Entrapta and Hordak interact, I mean, that brings just joy to my heart. And Entrapta's obliviousness to Hordak as a villain is something I, I find incredibly uh, charming. <laughs> but also, I do think that the the backbone of the episode really is Katra, and getting to see her relationship with Scorpia starting to, to blossom is also incredibly exciting.
1: Uh, I am curious if you feel kind of a special kinship to Entrapta though. You mentioned her already as like her and Hordak being a, a favorite pair of yours and it's dawning on me that not only did you write two like the horrory episodes but both of those kind of give you a deep glimpse at Entrapta. So do you feel... Maybe not an ownership, but like a kinship with her beyond other characters. Maybe,
2: golly, do I ever feel a connection with Entrapta? <laughs> you, you've you've picked on picked up on it. It's uh, true. I do feel a connection <laughs> with Entrapta. Um, there's something about how she's obsessed with what she's obsessed with, and she can sometimes miss some cues because of that. Uh, but she's so passionate, and I I really love and respond to that, and to her, just I don't know, just everything about her.
1: I think you get a good, sense. like I love I love the look at her motivation in this episode. It feels very pure. Like maybe the first couple episodes of the season. She seems maybe a little cold to Glimmer and Bo, but in this, it's very clear that, A, she just loves science, but, B, it's not like she's a loner, right? Like, she's so excited to have Hordak as a lab partner. That's such a sweet line. Uh, I feel like, I don't know, like, I just really get her in this episode, and I, I like that.
2: Oh, that's that's so wonderful to hear. And, yeah, just getting to experience, and, and I know, of course, we're creating it, but it feels like really getting to experience Entrapta learning that there are other worlds. It's just, it's just a moment of pure joy for me. Yeah. Well,
0: we're, we're learning that at the same time that she's learning that. I think that's when it's revealed on the show.
1: Well, kind of, because I, I actually went back and did some reading in, in the light hope episode. What we don't explicitly know there's other worlds, but we know that Etheria was locked away in the, the dimension of despondos locked away from what I guess is the question. Uh, I mean, Catherine, I, if you just want to tell us what Hordak is up to, like, <laughs> we'll keep it super. No, please don't. That would be real bad for you, I imagine. But I, this is like the first hint I think this episode probably introduces, I'm guessing, the larger, like, antagonistic arc of the series. And that's, that's cool. I like that there's something big going on here.
2: Yes, I can't say specifically what, but I will say we are building to something big.
1: Ooh. Okay, but what, though? <laughs> Eric. <laughs> oh, yeah, you just said you can't Rain say it in. <laughs> okay. It's a power source, isn't it? What are you building that needs so much power? <gasps> I recognize these formulas. You're experimenting with portals? But that's... I mean, I'm familiar with the concept, but multidimensional gates are purely theoretical. No one's ever come close to actually achieving one, right?
2: Obviously, someone from a backwater planet such
1: as yours couldn't possibly comprehend it.
2: Hey! All right! I'm the one who
0: got
1: your power source working, so tell me everything! Portals aren't
2: theoretical. They're real, and I'm going to open one.
1: You are? Can I help you? Oh, just think of the possibilities. You could transport troops and and weapons, whatever you need from one side of the planet to the other.
2: You think too small, unsurprising. You can't begin to understand the potential a device of this nature will possess.
0: My favorite interaction in this episode is definitely a brief one, and it is between Catra and Shadow Weaver. Um, one of the journeys of this episode is Katra learning that the glamorous job that she wanted isn't just the favorite and best uh, and cool parts, but it's filing and operations management <laughs> and the secrets that your boss keeps from you. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't even know what the question is there other than like. What life experiences of yours might have fed into that? Because there was this strange visceral adult weight that I felt in that of just, yeah, man, working from nine to five. I really feel for you, Catra.
1: I second that. I feel like I've never seen in an action cartoon a character have to learn to deal with the logistics of management. Just
2: like bureaucracy? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Supply chains. Yeah. I will say on one level, I think one thing we were talking about when, um, Coming up with this episode was, how do we show these two sides who are at war? And what are some of the specifics of being in this conflict? And both of them, both sides really are working with supply chain issues. Katra, in her much more like file, lost file system, confusing paperwork way and navigating bureaucracy and then the best friend squad because their supplies have been cut off. They think at first by the horde, but they discover it's because of a misfiring first one's, you know, trans transmission center. Um, So that's on one one level. On a second level, I really relate to Catra's journey in this episode and something I thought about a lot when I was younger, just feeling like you're striving so hard to navigate your world and figure out your place in your world and like achieve something and 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 try to do something and every time you feel like you've figured it out and you've like gotten where you want to be the ground beneath your feet switches shifts or it's not you know what you thought it would be like she's being shadow weaver isn't what she imagined but also she thought she'd have this relationship with hordak and she's worked so hard to get there and and once again someone sweeps in in this case entrapta on un, she's unaware that she's doing this and and displaces Katra again And I feel a strong relation, I feel a strong, just emotionally I can connect with what Catra must be feeling as she just, just tries to climb this ladder.
0: Well, the deeper pattern of that, too, I mean, for better or for worse, you're speaking to my adult personal life right now. You feel like the job is set, or the relationship is set, or the place to live is set, and... Adulthood never seems to let you keep much of anything. And it's, it's uh, very compelling to view just a cartoon character go through that. I'm not sure I've ever seen that represented in animation before. That, that's a very adult message in this show. I also noticed, you know, there are messages that are maybe more for kids. I really appreciated Entrapta saying that failure is a vital part of all scientific endeavor. What are some things you would like your young viewers to learn or take away from these episodes that you create?
2: Yeah, I'm glad you pointed out that moment because I love that. And Trapta actually gets excited that that Hordak fails. It's like, that's fun that there's this problem that she has to figure out and that it just means that the experiment is ongoing. And isn't that great? Isn't that what she enjoys doing? Isn't that what we enjoy doing? And I think that's such a valuable lesson for kids, but also to constantly remind myself of. <laughs> um, and I, I know more and more we're speaking about failure as a, as a valuable lesson, and I was happy to get to express that in this episode. Yeah, that seems to be something that maybe no other
0: character quite quite has has learned yet. We see in this episode, Bo once again sort of feeling down about his role as a scientific replacement for Entrapta we see Glimmer feeling uh insecure about her own role as commander and Entrapta is the one to say it's okay to grow
2: and I just um point out related to the bow worrying that he's not a he's not going to be able to replace Entrapta or even you know match and trapta on the Horde side as their tech master that at the beginning of the episode, which is my my favorite thing of the episode, which I had nothing to do with, he's fixing his arrow with a smaller, tiny arrow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and it's just like such a testament to the level of dedication and deep thinking every member of the She-Ra crew puts in. It's so beautiful and funny. That is delightful. Yeah, this episode is
0: full of sort of nesting details as well I mean we see the what do you what do you want to call it you know the atmosphere suffocation machine frankly Uh, we see Imp and his sort of ability to do the talk boy repeat thing and both of those come back in later episodes you got to plant a bunch of sort of Chekhov's gun type things for later in the season So this is probably something that will get cut because we aren't sure where the boundaries are right now around what we all talked about together in L.A., but I'm going to ask what I want to ask. And my understanding from our conversations at lunch were that Imp has backstory and he has lore and he is well fleshed out in a way that we won't see on the show. Uh, But if we're able to talk about that at all, I'd love to hear some, like, imp
2: gossip, because what is his deal? (laughs) I mean, I will say I think that there are heavy implications for imp.
1: Implications.
2: There are implications. (laughs) Boo! And I think a close viewer maybe will infer some things about imp's origin, but I don't know that it ever becomes full text.
1: Oh, I just got a flash in my head of what that could be and it kind of relates to episode six of this season.
2: Oh, okay. If you say
1: so. We can talk. About, I, I I have an inkling. We can maybe talk about it off air because I also don't want to spoil it in case some weirdo out there is following along with the show as we do episodes about it. I don't want to ruin their enjoyment of episode six.
2: That's fair. Yeah.
1: Is Imp a talk boy? Is that the secret?
0: <laughs> we found Is it. This we the, landed. The, it. The,
1: this yeah. links Shira to the Home Alone universe. I knew it.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. Kevin. Kevin's not here. Kevin's not here. Kevin's
1: not here. Kevin's not here. Kevin's not here. Kevin's not here. What? Um, I, speaking of like cool nesting details, I want to point out a couple nice references to previous Princess of Power, um, having the village be Alwyn, nice reference to The Price of Power, which is an episode Lauren and I like a lot. That's the, um, origin of Shadow Weaver in the original series. That's where Norwin is from, is Alwyn. Uh, speaking of things that might show up in a few episodes, uh, and then, (laughs) Some uh, there's a line in there about the first ones. I've been thinking of them as big epic figures, which I just it, I totally missed it the first time. But that's such a good joke on the original series where the first ones are literally giants. So yeah. I appreciate that. That nice callback. Yes.
0: Yeah. Oh, I didn't even get that as a reference. I was just like, oh, this whole episode is about things not being what you expected. That's sweet. But that's that's pretty cute and dumb. I love it. Yeah. Cute
2: and dumb. That's my specialty. <laughs> and dark. Cute, dumb, and dark.
1: <laughs> but also you snuck in the the pun best friend quad. So I just I need to call it out as someone who appreciates I'm, puns.
2: I'm gonna have to hat tip Josie Campbell on that one. I believe that is a Josie pun.
1: Okay. Fair enough. I feel
2: I believe I could be corrected, <laughs> but I, I suspect that is a Josie pun. That is something I have sort of
0: a, a vague question on, and hopefully you can just sort of vamp on it. I know from meeting you guys what a collaborative and close team you are. And there's so much in this episode about the first ones and there's Mara is mentioned in this episode. And I imagine everyone sort of has a hand in everyone else's work. Could you just talk a little bit about writing and sort of where your power ends and where someone else's power begins when you get to put your name on an episode like this?
2: Well, like the princesses, our powers combine in this amazing <gasps> way. Hey, that's a great answer. Hey. <laughs> um, We—it's so collaborative, and it's like the hive mind. Everything becomes more fleshed out and deeper and richer because of that collaborative atmosphere. Not just in the writers' room, but with you know the artists and with the directors, but specifically around the story we sit in the room for days together, all of the writers with Noel and come up with the story. We come up with rough beats. We flush it out. We pitch it multiple times. People pitch jokes or actions. And and then as the writer, you take that and you you leave the room and you go write. And of course you, you bring your voice to it, but then you come back to it. And Noel does her incredible pass and more suggestions are thrown in. So, um, it's all made better by that collaboration. It's a real Princess Alliance. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That's I'll just, I'll, I'll leave. <laughs> we'll see ourselves. No, please. Finish please this. If you
1: both leave, I'm just talking to myself, and that's not compelling audio.
0: <laughs> so we can't, we can't ask for spoilers, and we know that, Eric but what? <laughs> we already know that season three is coming. We know when it's coming. Uh, we've seen Huntara. we're so excited. Uh, what that you're allowed to say, are you excited for in the
2: episodes that are yet to come? Oh, uh, well, I'm very excited to see the threads that are, or the seeds that are planted. I'm very excited to see the seeds that are planted in this season coming to fruition in the next batch of episodes. I think we're really setting up for an epic event between the Horde and the Princess Alliance Ooh. and an expansion of our world.
1: Ooh!
0: Before we let you go, we've asked this of our guests in the past, but I think it's probably a little bit different for each of you. Um, if you were to give some advice to someone trying to have a job as cool as yours, you know, getting to write Amazing shows and fantasy worlds and bringing these characters to life. uh, How would you tell someone to get started?
2: Sure, I mean the great thing about writing is you can do it and it's free and Just watch everything that you love watch it again Watch it without the sound to see how it plays out visually watch it with just the sound and no visuals Read scripts that you can get on the internet and just write because we need your stories And it's difficult, like doing anything worthwhile is. It's, of course, challenging and it it can be hard to break in. But I think if you have a a true passion and you have something to say, we, we need you.
1: That's amazing advice. Oh, my gosh
0: is there uh you can say no if you'd like but is there a place where our listeners can find you or engage with you twitter etc i'm 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 a ghost person (laughs) that's fine eric used to be until i bothered him enough to get back on twitter
1: yeah you're like the people in the village of alwyn Yes, Wait, are yes. you just a, a reflection? My
2: transmissions <laughs> have been lost.
1: <laughs> what century are you actually from, Catherine?
2: Uh, uh, I'm going to hang up now.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to she Progressive of Power. If you like our show, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We super appreciate it. You can also send in any feedback you have to our email address, Progressive of Power at gmail.com or to our Facebook page at Facebook.com backslash progressive of power.